You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to another exciting episode of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. You guys know one of my theories is the fastest way to reduce crime in a city. Make those activities no longer a crime. Look at the crime rate drop. That is incredible. That is some good stuff Seattle is doing. All those misdemeanor crimes, wipe them off. All those felony crimes, wipe them off. Heavy stuff, wipe them off. Crime rate, drop like a lead balloon, right? Like the lead Zeppelin. Just drop out of the sky. Mm, Good stuff. Is that really how we want to handle our rising, our escalating crime problem? I don't know. It doesn't really get at the root cause of the source, does it? Does that make any sense? It doesn't really address the problem, does it? That's what we're going to talk about today. We've got an article here. Thank you to the uh, gentleman who sent this to me. You know who you are. Always anonymous here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast because we're reasonable people and reasonable people are few and far between, it seems like, right? A new study reveals that not prosecuting people for nonviolent misdemeanors may actually reduce crime. Okay. So that's what we're going to get into today. You kind of know how I feel about this already, but there are some good points here and we're going to talk about them. If you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies, but I read the news that we want to hear about, that we want to talk about. So let's do this. Before we jump on in though, um, love to have you subscribe to the channel. Best thing you can do is share the content and hit that notification bell. I'm getting comments from a lot of folks. Hey, you're not coming up on, I'm not getting notified. YouTube isn't notifying me anymore. Um, you know, that's just the, that's just the way things are going in 2021 for YouTubers kind of in my position. And so we got to battle through. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep podcasting. If I get no people to watch, I know, um, you know, it's like just kind of how things are going. Whatever. I, I'm not a quitter. going to keep going. On April 11th, Dante Wright was pulled over by officers from the Brooklyn Center Police in Minnesota, not Minneapolis, Minnesota, because he was driving with an expired vehicle registration. In Minnesota, having expired vehicle registration is a misdemeanor offense. When officers approached Mr. Wright's car, they observed an object hanging from his rearview mirror. In Minnesota, driving a vehicle with an object suspended from the rearview rearview mirror is a petty misdemeanor offense. After asking to see Mr. Wright's driver's license and running his name through a warrant check, the officers discovered that Mr. Wright had an open warrant for failure to appear, a misdemeanor offense itself, for yet two other misdemeanor offenses. Do we see the pattern here? lot of misdemeanor offenses, right? So I don't have misdemeanor offenses. I'm not going to get pulled over for those. If I do get pulled over, I don't have those misdemeanor offenses. Problem solved, right? But what we're trying to do here is we are pointing, we are setting up we are setting up the the logic line of, well, if you get rid of the crime, this wouldn't be happening. Something else would happen though, wouldn't it? We know that. We know that. Something else would take place where these circumstances would continue to happen. Last summer, George Floyd was restrained by officers with the Minneapolis Police Department following a report that he had used a counterfeit $20 bill to purchase cigarettes. In Minnesota, use of counterfeit bills in exchange for property valued at under $1,000 is a misdemeanor offense. Uh, 
The tragic deaths of Dante Wright and George Floyd at the hands of the police have justifiably drawn considerable attention. Less attention has been given to whether the nonviolent misdemeanor offenses for which they initially came into contact with law enforcement should be chargeable in the first place. How about don't do the crime? What about that? How about we know that using a counterfeit bill in a store is illegal? What about that? All right, the whole thing hanging from a rearview mirror, it was set up for a reason. I mean, that, that one to me is a little weak. Not having the right paperwork signed, like I got pulled over and I got a ticket for um, not having my registration signed. I was speeding. I was breaking the law. Granted, 100% police officer gave me a break. This is Bellevue's finest, gave me a break, but it was just kind of annoying that it was because I hadn't signed my registration, but then I didn't get a you know driving offense. It didn't affect my... Uh, insurance rec- my insurance rates and all that stuff. But I wish the police officer would have said, hey, you know what? You look like, like a nice guy. You look like you can probably pay for this. I got to pull a quota. So could you take one for the team? And I'm just going to give you this ticket and we just need to increase our revenue. This is what we're doing. If I would have had brutal honesty, I could have accepted that. But instead, I kind of got sold. You know, I'm giving you a big break here. And uh, But just just tell me, hey, you need to fill your quota. All right, that's what we're doing. I can do that. And, th- and, and thank you for the break. Um, so salesmanship, you know, every industry's got to have it. It's how you pitch something. It's how you sell something. I'm giving you a break today. Okay, I didn't sign up. Man, now I signed my registration because I did not realize that you had to sign your registration. And I'd never, you know, received a, a ticket for unsigned registration because what's the point of, that I don't know. I still don't get that one, but whatever. I was breaking the law and I got what was coming to me and I manned up and I paid the fine. And guess what? I didn't have a warrant for the out, my outstanding misdemeanor offense. That's what I did. Misdemeanor offenses comprise approximately 80% of all charged offenses in the United States. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yet the public safety benefits from prosecuting misdemeanor offenses are far from clear. Many assume that prosecuting and punishing people for minor offenses deters future crime. But do those crime-reducing benefits exist? And if so, do they outweigh the costs? Can you see where we're headed here? Take all those crimes, get rid of them. They're no longer crimes. It's okay to do all those things. What we once thought was criming, no longer the case. It's all right. Our stats, oh, we are cleaning up the city. In a new study, we consider this question using data from Suffolk, Suffolk County, Massachusetts, where Boston is located. We show that prosecuting minor offenses like the ones described above actually does more harm than good. Scaling back the prosecution of nonviolent misdemeanors leads to an increase, not decrease, in public safety. Really? Really? I don't know. This is where I think you see these studies and whatnot, and you're kind of like, ah, I I don't know. All right. It's a study. Okay. We're going to go with, I'm just going to read it and we're going to talk about it. How do we reach this conclusion? Ah, good question. In our study, we exploit a feature of nearly all criminal justice contexts. What happens to your case depends on a bit on luck. Okay. How about this? What if you just don't do the crime? I don't know. Why, why, why don't we ever deal with that? I feel like 
our society is going to the lowest common denominator. Okay, everybody's getting hung up at this at this point in the scale of whatever it is. So let's just drop the bar low enough where everybody can get over. Everybody gets a particip- participation ribbon. Everybody's a winner. There is no second place. You're all winners. This is what we're doing. And therefore, there's no crime left. There's no crime going on. It's a better society. Things are going to be better for people. Yeah, except for the store owners who are getting ripped off by counterfeit money into their system. Guess what they end up doing? They end up raising the prices on their consumers because they have losses. That's what they end up doing long term. That's the small business angle that people are like, ah, oh, you know, a $20 bill. Okay, it's not that. It's that $20 bill magnified over hundreds and thousands of times that it's attempted, that's the rub that nobody talks about. Well, you know, the store can take a $20 loss. It's not just that one loss. It's that 20, 40, 60, 100, 200, 400, 600, magnified across the United States. That's the dealio. Nobody wants to talk about that because ah, that's... Uh, oh. We don't want that. As a defendant, you might get lucky and be assigned a lenient prosecutor instead of a harsh one. In Suffolk County, cases are randomly assigned to prosecutors, and those prosecutors vary in their leniency. Using rich administrative data from the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office on future criminal complaints, we follow the lucky defendants over time to see what happens to them relative to the people who are unlucky and got assigned to a less lenient prosecutor. How about this? assign everybody to a less lenient prosecutor. And then people are like, wow, I really took a beat down. I don't want to do that again. What about that angle? Mm. Again, probably not a popular opinion. By comparing defendants assigned to more lenient versus less lenient prosecutors, we're able to measure the effect of non-prosecution. That is, having your case dismissed at the initial arraignment hearing. These lucky defendants are 58% less likely to show up in court again in the next two years. It appears they are dramatically less likely to commit additional crimes. Well, based on that, let's just reduce, let's, let's remove all crimes. No more criming because there's no more activities that are classified as crimes. That's just what you do. That's how we handle it. All right. I know that that my argument makes, you know, little to no sense. However, I feel like with all this misdemeanor stuff, it's like, why aren't we just obeying the law? What about that? I think we all agree agree that going into a store and trying to hand off a $20 fake bill, that's illegal. And that should remain illegal, right? There are some offenses that I'm like, okay, minor um, possession of, you know, illegal substances. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's a drug. It's illegal. I feel like we're, we're just going to have every drug is going to be willy nilly okay in a few years. Ah, it's a little, you know, cocaine, a little heroin never hurt anybody, said anybody ever. Uh, again, you know, I don't have the most popular opinion on these things, but I think they're kind of illegal for a reason. They kill you. The effect is largest for first-time defendants for whom being shown mercy may serve as a wake-up call that pushes them off the risky road down which they were venturing. How about being arrested and being prosecuted for the crime that you committed? I was speeding. I got a speeding ticket. I deserved it. I will take the consequences. What about that? Doesn't seem like we're heading that direction, does it? 
No. There are a few possibilities for why prosecution has had such big effects. In Massachusetts, defendants who are prosecuted receive criminal records of their charges. Again, I go to, all right, if you know that something bad is going to happen, maybe you think twice about doing that activity. If you don't think anything is going to happen, if there are no consequences to your actions, hell yes, I'll steal that stereo. I'll break that guy's window open and jack his stuff. I mean, why not? It's not really a crime, is it? It's kind of like the um, the logic of the peaceful protesters taking crowbars and hammers to the windows. Those windows don't have feelings. Therefore, it's not really a crime. It's not a crime against humanity. It's reparations. I mean, those kind of leaps of logic are what is driving this kind of thing. Just have no criming. Just let her rip. In Massachusetts, defendants who are prosecuted receive criminal records of their charges, even if those charges are later dismissed or the defendant is acquitted. Okay. Is there less crime in Massachusetts than Seattle? That's something I'd like to look at. I bet you there's more people going to do criming in Seattle because of our stance on crime than there are in Massachusetts where you got a criminal record. I would probably throw that out there as a stat. Okay? I mean, I just would. And as we de decriminalize all kinds of stuff in Seattle, our crime rates are increasing. They are increasing. They're going the wrong direction. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, it's because of the whole social unrest with the coronavirus. Um, yeah, but these people are doing all kinds of crimes. They know they're basically going to get away with because even if they do get arrested, the prosecuting attorneys and the judges, they're not really going to do jack about it. So get rid of the crimes. Don't prosecute people. What do you think is going to happen? My prediction Crime goes up. Criminal records of charges and convictions are often visible to employers and other law enforcement agencies. Oh, good Lord, we can't have that. We can't have people seeing that these people are out doing crimes. That's not okay. Oh, this guy's got a conviction. Oh, man. Wipe that off. I mean, he's a good guy for the most part, you know. These records could make it more difficult to find or keep a job. That's the point is that if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. You go down this road of, well, just get rid of all those crimes because then more people can have jobs. Uh, that's not the point. If you're out doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, you should be prosecuted, you should be thrown in jail, period. That's kind of how I see it. I mean, it's pretty cut and, cut and dried. Now, are there some crimes that are probably like, you know, some stuff that you're like, ah, all right, okay, like signing the registration on your car is a finable offense. You're not going to go to jail for it. But there's other misdemeanor stuff. All right, I understand there are some of those. But a lot of what we're talking about is, you know, the $20, you know, fake counterfeit money is one of those things where I would probably draw the line and say, you know what, that is a punishable offense, whether it's 20 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever. You got to draw the line somewhere. And if you know, it's illegal, maybe you shouldn't do it. That's where we should be. But instead, we're like, ah, oh, no, just make it legal. It's okay. Yeah. Um, and could also make it more likely that a prosecutor pursues a criminal case against you the next time you're arrested. Isn't that a, the point of people who are repeat offenders that we, you know, call them out on it and say, hey, you've done this a bunch of times. You shouldn't be doing it. You're going to have to serve some time. 
that's kind of the way I see it. Again, I'm just a real estate guy. I'm not a criminologist or whatever, not even a prosecuting attorney. Uh, in addition, dealing with a criminal case is time consuming and stressful. Oh man, I wish this criminal case was less time consuming for you. And you know what? In all aspects, I wish this was less stressful for you. I wish it was less stressful for all you guys. I wish we could all just, you know, have less time consuming, you know, reactions to crime. And I wish, you know, you commit a crime and I wish this were less stressful. What? What are we talking? And these cases last for an average of six months. Okay, so they do. That's how long they take. And they're time consuming and stressful. Again, what if people didn't do the offenses? Hmm. Hmm. No, no, that's not going to work. No, no. We need to we need to drop that common denominator so everybody can get a participation ribbon. In January 2019, Rachel Rollins was inaugurated as the new district attorney of Suffolk County. She had run on a platform of presumption of non-prosecution for a list of non-violent misdemeanor offenses, including driving without the correct paperwork. Okay, uh, but you got to have title and registration. Y- y- you do. I mean, because otherwise... Is this car jacked? We don't really know. So, okay, gray area there. Possessing small quantities of prohibited substances. Ah, what if you got stuff that kills you? I mean, you know, illegal drugs. Ah, I got to say, that's breaking the law. Trespassing. Okay, so where do we draw the line there? I mean, we're just going to make trespassing. You can't go in there. Oh, yeah, I can. It's no longer illegal. Okay, and disorderly conduct. Um, you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. That's a crime. Okay, I know it's not a high level crime. But then how are we going to have laws at all in society, right? Rollins changed the default approach for these offenses from prosecution to non prosecution, pushing her prosecutors to be more lenient toward low level defendants. What happened? Again, we found big benefits. Defendants who were not prosecuted because of this new policy were less likely to come back to court with a new arrest in the following year. Those are uh, first-time offenders, I believe. And because in Suffolk County, 46% of nonviolent misdemeanor cases are brought against black defendants, while only 24% of the county's residents are black, non-prosecution of nonviolent misdemeanor offenses, get this sentence, Non-prosecution of nonviolent misdemeanor offenses disproportionately benefited those who had previously been disproportionately affected by prosecution. That's where Beavis and Butthead Beavis says, <laughs> what? You can't even really understand that sentence. I'm just not even going to talk about it because it's like, uh, the main argument against going easier on low-level offenders is that this will simply encourage more crime, which is what's happening in Seattle. Perhaps most of us behave ourselves because we know there could be legal consequences if we do not. Majority of us do, don't we? And that's called the law and the impact of the law if you don't follow it. What if those consequences are reduced? All right, let's reduce the consequences and let's just eliminate the criming because then we go back to my original hypothesis that if you do that, Crime rates will drop, and that's what we're after, right? I mean, we don't want to we don't want to attack the real problem, which is making it more, you know, it, making it easier for criminals to do their thing. We just we just want to we want to cook the books here. 
is any, does any of this stuff, I mean, maybe, maybe there are some points here, but man, it doesn't really feel like this is reality, does it? Ah, you know, that, that guy did all that criming. We didn't prosecute him. He's doing much better now. Uh, this is a valid concern. Uh, what if those consequences are reduced? I mean, it, more criming happens. This is a valid concern. But when we look at the effects of the Suffolk County, County policy change and reported crime in Boston, we do not see any evidence that crime increased. Well, we're seeing it in Seattle. We're seeing it across the United States right now, right? We might even see reductions in crime down the road if this policy change frees up time and resources to deal with more serious, violent, and felony offenses. How about we put some more cops on the street? What about that? And then they could have more manpower to deal with serious, violent, and felony offenders. What about that? Mm, not a not a not a popular opinion in today's market, right? Our criminal justice system is costly to taxpayers and defendants alike, and it's riddled with inefficiencies. Yeah, I get that, but the whole thing is if. If you know it's a crime and you know there are repercussions for your actions, maybe you'll think twice about it. If you know that it's a crime and nothing's going to happen to you, you're going to roll that dice because you're a criminal and that's what criminals do, right? First time offenders, okay, I get that. But then if they're like, nothing's going to happen to me and they're headed down that pathway, guess what? You're going to see him a second time. You're going to see a third time. The dude in Seattle that had 77 convictions or 72 convictions, you can't tell me on conviction number 68 that the judge is going, well, you know, it looks like you're in a position to really turn your life around at this point in time. So therefore, I'm just going to give you a hall pass. How do you have that many convictions? Mind boggling to me. So this means that we occasionally find policy options that both improve public safety and also save time and money because we don't want our citizens to be safe. We want to save time and money. The elusive free lunch that would not exist in a more efficient context. I don't even know what that means. Our research shows that scaling back the prosecution of low-level offenses is just this type of policy. We should embrace it. Okay, we'll embrace it. We'll see how that goes. Got to tell you, though, not probably a fan. This doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, some things on a limited basis do, but man, it feels like we're headed in the wrong direction here. The owner of Cup Foods, whose employee called the police to report George Floyd for using a counterfeit $20 bill, has done just that. He's instructed his employees to no longer call the police to report nonviolent misdemeanor offenses. No kidding because he doesn't want this situation to happen, happen again, where he called the police for a legit complaint. Hey, this guy's trying to use a counterfeit $20 bill. That's against the law. He's doing what is within the law. It's what a responsible citizen should be doing. So this doesn't happen to another shop owner. And so he doesn't get stuck with a bogus $20 bill. But now we're pointing to this guy as a poster child for basically eliminating crime he has instructed his employees to no longer call the police to report nonviolent misdemeanor offenses. So in other words, store owners should just take it. They should just take it. They should no longer feel comfortable calling their police for any type of crime. They'll just handle it. They'll just handle it. Maybe uh, perhaps policymakers should follow his lead. I don't think so. I mean, I really don't. This is nonsense. 
This is truly nonsense. But whatever. So is a lot of the other stuff I talk about here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. It's my opinion. This is my opinion. But from where I sit, from where I see it, from a small, from a pro small business standpoint, from a real estate guy standpoint, reducing the level, the barriers of what is considered a crime is a step in the right direction. I think that's a slippery slope downhill. And I don't agree with it. But then again, I'm not out there doing the criming. You know what I mean? I'm okay with having our crime the way it is. Because I'm not doing that. My kids aren't out there doing that. My friends and family aren't out there doing that. We kind of all stay within the lines. My employees, they, they stay within the lines. All the people that, you know, real estate brokers I have working for me, they stay within the lines. I don't have anybody stepping out of the line that I have to make excuses for on a repeated basis. So given that, I don't know, I'm okay with the law being the way it is. But that's just me. I'm a real estate guy. What do I know? This is my opinion. It's kind of like people getting upset with Joe Rogan talking about the coronavirus. Yeah, you can do that. You can get wildly upset with him. But at the end of the day, he's not a doctor. I'm not a criminologist. But you guys tune into me because I have an opinion that kind of makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't. Let me know in the comments either way. But do hit that notification bell because I'm getting getting lots of people telling me, ah, you can't find your content. We're not getting notified. And that sucks. So I don't know what the dealio is there. I mean, I kind of do, but we shouldn't talk about that. That's We need to eliminate that as a crime, I'm pretty sure. Whatever YouTube's doing, we need to eliminate that. We need to reduce the common denominator to something less than what we've got going now because that is really where we need to be as a society, make everything open to everybody all the time. That's where we need to go. Okay, that's it for me on this one. I'll catch up with you guys in the next one. Don't listen to me, real estate guy. Catch up soon. Talk then. Stay safe. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.